Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. The foster care system can be challenging. Today's guest knows all too well from his own personal experience. Cliff Schrage has worked as a chaplain as well. He has taught high school English for 33 years. He's also the father of eight, yes, eight children, two of which are biological and six are adopted. He's also had the experience of enduring the trauma of losing a child to a terminal illness. Recently, Cliff wrote a book called Silas Dillon of Cary County, and it offers a sobering look at the unsettling realities of the foster care system through the fictional account of one boy's struggle. Today on Connections, Cliff will share his own story with us and why he decided to write the book. Today we're joined by Cliff Schrag. He worked as a chaplain. He's also taught high school English for 33 years. He's also the father of eight children and the author of a new book called Silas Dillon of Cary County. Now we're going to hear about that book coming up. But first of all, we want to learn more about your family. You have eight children. It's a big family. Um, we have, uh, my wife and I have parented eight kids. Right now they range from age 38 down to 18. He's the last one home. And um, the first two were biological, and the last six were adopted. Uh, Four of them, first four, I'm sorry, first three, foreign, Asia. Uh, Last one, foreign, Ethiopia. He's the 18-year-old. And then the two in between we got from New York City, in the foster to adopt program, um, yeah, twenty something years ago, eight kids yeah. with the eight kids crazy, we're nuts. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say eight kids with a gap of twenty years. We have two kids with a gap of a year and a half between them, and we can't like we're done. We can't keep up. How'd you do it? You don't know what done is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been parenting for forty years. Wow. <laughs> What led you down the route of adoption? Well, um, my wife had that heart since she was a kid. She read, she read a book called The Family Nobody Wanted. When I was a kid, I was moved by the Oliver Twist story. So those seeds were planted. And my wife and I grew up together. We used to play together. We were high school sweethearts. We always said we'd like to do something. We had big dreams, you know, an orphanage. And we uh, we got married like everybody else. We had a child. We had the second child, and then the second child passed on us. And then we said, let's do what we always said we were going to do. And we took one step, and we thought that was the last. We took the second. We thought that was the last, and it kept going. And um, we just always had a heart for kids who abandoned and orphans. And that book that she read, uh, The Family Nobody Wanted, was one quite, quite like ours, only maybe a few more kids. And it was a nice story and a true story. So there you have it. Speaking of your story, Silas Dillon of Cary County. Now, you wrote a fiction book. What inspired you to choose that as opposed to just writing an, a memoir-type um, story? Right. Well, right now, I am writing a memoir and I'm beginning to send out proposals while it's unfinished, uh, true, the true story. But the Silas story happened when one of the uh, forced-to-adopt kids we had, um, we got involved with the court system because the mom, a year into the process, 
peeked their head up and said, I want my kid. And my wife and I just knew that she wasn't prepared, and our, our daughter was uh, kind of grafted into our family, and we thought it was not the best interest for the child. So anyhow, we had uh, a two-year court battle, and, um, you know, New York City, it's, you know, with judges, they have these cases all day, and we just saw how a lot of these um, cases, they have made just for lack of a better word, deadbeat parents, parents who are struggling, into the clients more so than the kids. So we got acquainted with a lot of other people in the process. So I took some of the occurrences and I made sort of like a composite character, Silas Dillon, biracial, and I just... uh, tried to weave this story of one kid, which is pretty much emblematic of um, kids in a system like New York City's was, you know, 18, 20 years ago. So he's uh, a character who bounced from foster home to foster home with a try and then a second try with the natural mom and failures, and, you know, they age out and they become less adoptable the older they get, and they grow up having serious attachment problems, uh, problems in general, uh, to the extent that I know two or three years ago the statistics of the homeless surveyed, I don't know how they do that, but uh, showed that uh, 27% of homeless people were in the foster care system. They, they age out, and they're handed a check, and under the guise of they're fixed, turn them loose, and they stumble along, and it's a, it's a sad, sad story. So that's the motivation, and that's how it was inspired, and um, yeah, there you go. What was it like writing the book for yourself? admit it was emotional it was take it up fever pitch writing for a week put it down for a couple of months wake up in the middle of the night a lot of insomniac nights I'd write and uh, it was you know I can't add the hours of actual uh, writing but you know it was a two year thing and um, I just felt inspired to do it. I I wanted uh, this story to get out there, hopefully to inspire the right people to take these kids in and and maybe even make a statement, um, an indictment against, uh, you know, the the system that um, seems to make it conducive for kids to get lost in and, and fall through cracks. So it was, uh, it was a long process. It was emotional. And um, I'm glad I did it. Who are you hoping to reach with this book? I know you kind of went over it just a few seconds ago, but overall, what's your goal? My goal is to get young people, uh, people who, you know, of the age that can uh, assist to step up and with the right motives. Believe it or not, there are people out there who have bad motives. Not all foster parents are good. Some are 
negligent, some are abusive, some are well-intentioned, um, and just to just to inspire by feeling, creating a, an, an emotional affective um, aura around the story to get the right people in. And you know, again, it's an indictment against the, the system that um, just doesn't work. And kids need to be first, and the best interest of the kid needs to be primo. I don't mean, you know, not giving parents a fair chance, but not letting it go on and on where the kid is bounced mm. around. That, that's where the damage gets done. One of the things I hear a lot from people who would be great foster parents, you probably hear this too, people always say, oh, I could never do that. I couldn't get attached to the kids and then have them get taken away. What do you say when you hear things like that? That's the big problem. Um, it should be with a goal, uh, initially, yeah, back to mom and getting them in a home where they can, you know, maybe make an adjustment where they get a sense of their value. Um, but the goal should be foster to adopt. And, you know, it's not for everybody. Um, it really is easier the younger the kid is. You get a kid um, who's, you know, 12, 13, and he's been bounced around. That's that's quite a... Uh, uh, a mountain to climb, and it's and it's got to be the right people, and people have to realize um, there's great needs in the world, and and we can all chip in and do our part and put ourselves aside to a degree, and make a difference in you know the life of one who's vulnerable. Do you remember the first day that the first kid came into your house, what those feelings were like, or that first night going to sleep with this new kid that you're suddenly caring for? <laughs> the, the first uh, foreign adoption, my daughter Laura, who's 32, a social worker in San Diego now, she um, came at age, let's see, six months, um, the airport scene, which is where the transaction took place when there were a lot of South Korean kids was, you know, I really have to say it was like the delivery room where my biological daughter was born. It was like that kind of a, an immediate connection, attachment. That's cool. It, it was a beautiful feeling. We knew, you know, God had uh, appointed this, and that's how I, I can really compare it um, without too much contrast, except for the medical <laughs> apparatus, that's what it felt like, like a delivery room. Uh, you mentioned God and faith. How much did faith play a role in this journey for you? Well, looking back, I, my wife and I recognize um, that that is where the inspiration was initiated, even when we were kids. We do have a strong faith. Um, we've made it, you know, our passion to, to follow the Lord. Uh, we recognize we're flawed people. We were all thumbs as parents because we both had um, not the best examples in our own growing up. And um, as time has progressed, we realize how he's helped us. You know, we were kind of thrown into a, 
the way we see it, parenting is a, is a hard job, and it, and it takes some wisdom, and it takes some skill, and it takes some experience. But we felt like, you know, hey, you're an engineer now, and um, <laughs> it hasn't been easy. At times we took it too seriously, and we felt condemned. Um, but, you know, God has helped us in our weakness and our you know, flaws and our stumbling and in our sin, and he's um, made us feel like we were a tool in his hands, at least. He obviously played a role as well after losing your child. You still went on and proceeded to take in six other children, despite whatever pain you may have been feeling at that time. Yeah, um, it was a hard step initially, um, but we were in agreement, and it has proven to be a means of uh, healing. I'll, I won't say we're not healed by that. There's still, you know, a tenderness there. There's a scar. Uh, there's still emotion. We still visit a grave. But um, it, 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 it has helped us, this whole <laughs> adapted kids process. How can we as the church community come together to help with what's going on in the, the foster community, the foster care system? Yeah, um, I think we're called to that. I, I, I see, uh, since you brought that up, I see certain scripture as hubs rather than just spokes and the whole wheel and um, in James 1, you know, our true religion is keeping ourselves clean and visiting, assisting orphans and widows, the weak ones in their distress. And I I'm just have this conviction that uh, the Church of Christ needs to make that first. Sometimes we, uh, we digress. Uh, that's first, the, the the weak ones. That's just that's just the way I see it. What would you say to encourage anybody else? Like I can hear your desire and passion to get good people fostering kids and adopting kids. Uh, you know, my wife and I are a good example, people that have talked about it a lot, but for whatever reasons we just kind of feel we keep holding ourselves back, right? I don't know if it's that we're afraid. We don't know. Maybe we're afraid how to blend with our two kids, right? What would you say to encourage people? Well, to encourage people is, you know, take a good look at scriptures like that or scriptures like uh, what we see in Isaiah 1 and um, in some places even in Deuteronomy where that, you know, the tide went to to the orphan, the widow, the stranger, and then lastly, the Levite. And, you know, our part in all of that doesn't necessarily mean we've got to take them in. But I think the church is responsible to be out front um, with some kind of contribution, with time, energy, finances, with attention toward the vulnerable. That, that's where Jesus' heart is. And uh, again, it, it's not—it's not for everybody. Certainly, six isn't. Um, probably wasn't even for us when we look back. You know, even with adult kids, they get—they have this 
you know, this feeling, some of them, that they, they've been rejected by their natural parents. And there's always this, we want to convince you that you've been accepted. But something happens with, with people, and they need attention, they need patience. And this is where the heart of God steps in through human beings in the process. So there's means of doing this. There's, there's uh, orphanages in the world. There's the foster care system where we can make a difference. What's the bond like between all of your kids? You mean uh, as siblings? All of them as siblings. Every one of your eight children, what's that relationship like? And how have they grown to build that relationship? They, they stay, they're connected, all of them. They have group chats, and we love it. And um, there's, you know, I hope they don't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to tell us which one's your favorite? or <laughs> there, We may have created with some this dependence on mom and dad, and uh. we're uh, in the past year kind of breaking away from that. And there's a, like, you know, days ago, my, I said to my wife, hey, we're having a great month. Five of the eight kids like us. You know? <laughs> we're starting to pay a little more attention to each other and breaking away and uh, letting them, you know, not as far as being available for advice, but letting them be more independent in, in different ways. Not that we financially support them or anything, but there is a, a great leaning, and we want them to lean on God and um, and maybe have a sense of, you know, I can do this from God. Not that they're all tight with the Lord, but we, we, uh, we want that independence. We want to see it. We want it confirmed. I mean, we're in our 60s now, and, yeah, we got an 18-year-old, so it's like we're my grandparenting our children. <laughs> You've got a great story in real life and a great story in Silas Dillon of Cary County. Tell us, how can we uh, get the book? Oh, I didn't send you a copy? Well, and everybody else listening, how can they get their hands on it? (laughs) Oh, yes. That's that's, that's the important thing. Yes. (laughs) Well, I have a webpage. It's cliffordschrag.com, and uh, you can... Access it through Amazon or Barnes and Noble. There's a little bit of a bio there. There's my other books. Uh, that's the way to get it. Silas Dillon of Cary County. It's a great story. Uh, it's a happy ending story. I let you know it's a happy ending story in the beginning because it's a, a frame story. It's opened up with grown-up Silas looking back, so I eliminate any suspense of. You know, hey, is this kid going to make it? He's been through some stuff. So I guess the suspense is built around how he navigates through seven different homes, some horrible and some very good. Um, but, yeah, that's that's the best way to do it. Silas Dillon of Cary County, you can access it through my webpage. You can go right to um, Morgan James, the publisher, 
but it's out there. It's very accessible. Thank you so much for joining us today, Cliff. Don't forget, you can listen to the full episodes on your radio station twice a day in the morning as well as the evening. You can also find the podcast version at podcastville.ca or wherever else you get your favorite podcast. We'll talk to you again on Connections.